Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Tuesday, July 24th, 2018. Here today to recap and review Monday Night Raw from last night, where we had some big announcements take place, none bigger than what we saw to open up the show. Over the weekend, all of us got alerts on Twitter that Stephanie McMahon was going to be appearing on Monday Night Raw with an historic announcement. And there are a lot of times when WWE says this, that oh, they're going to make a historic announcement, a game-changing announcement along those lines, it falls flat. But this did anything but that. This lived up to the hype. The show starts off Vince McMahon in the ring. You have the entire Monday Night Raw roster standing out there on the rampway. Uh, along with uh, wrestlers from uh, some of the other brands such as 205 Live and SmackDown. Not all of them, but a few representatives from those brands. Vince welcomes out Stephanie and Triple H and... They begin talking about how proud they are of the roster, in particularly the women's division, talking about how they've uh, uh, grown in the last several years, brought up uh, their uh, their significance, how the quality of women's wrestling has uh, greatly improved from where it used to be to a point where instead of just having these uh, minute and a half throwaway matches. Now they're having main events. They're breaking ground that we never saw, thought we'd see. They're doing things that we never thought would happen in WWE. I mean, you think about the last couple of years, what the women's wrestlers have done. Iron Man matches. Hell in the Cell matches. Cage matches. They had the first ever women's Money in the Bank ladder match last year. This year, they had the first ever all-women's Royal Rumble and the first ever women's elimination chamber match. They're breaking ground each and every single day and showing that they deserve it. They've earned those spotlights and uh, proving why the fans wanted to see this more. They they didn't want the, the old stuff that we saw in the late 90s, early 2000s when women's wrestling was made a mockery. The fans demanded for more. It started, what, about three, four years ago when uh, Give Divas a Chance was trending on Twitter for a couple of days. And it's all led to this moment, led to this historic announcement made by Stephanie McMahon last night that on October 28th, that's the last Sunday in October, from the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York, they will hold the first ever all-women's pay-per-view in WWE history. None of the guys will be featured. It will be all about women's wrestling. And on that night, you will see the SmackDown Women's Championship defended, the Raw Women's Championship defended, 
for the first time ever on a WWE pay-per-view, an NXT title will be defended when the NXT Women's Championship will be defended, as well as the finals for the May Young Classic this year will take place. Plus, we're going to get to see women's wrestlers from the past get involved in this. you got to figure Tristratus, Lita, the Bella Twins, that those women will be involved. Maybe Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, who we saw involved in uh, the Women's Royal Rumble last year. Who, who knows who they're going to be bringing back. It's going to be the past up against the present. A great a blend of things, a great mix of things. And this is all so well-deserved. This is a, a moment that is a long time coming. And you, you look at it. They've slowly edged our way along here. They've, they haven't rushed into each one of these things that I brought up. The, the first ever women's Iron Man match, first ever Hell in a, women's Hell in the Cell, first women's Royal Rumble, first women's Money in the Bank, first women's Elimination Chamber. They, they gave it to us all in bits and pieces. And the, the women of today, they've deserved it. They've They've laid out a path uh, um, for not just themselves, but the, the women of the future, the women that are coming up through NXT that are getting tryouts at the Performance Center, getting to be part of this May Young Classic. The women that are out there on the indies that are just dreaming about this moment. This is all for them. And as a fan, I couldn't... I could not be happier. This this night on October 28th is going to be something special. It's going to, going to be something that I think the fans will really enjoy. And you get the added treat of, yeah, you got all these title matches that are going to take place that night. But as I said, it's going to feature, in Stephanie's words, 50 women uh, uh, from then, now, and forever. And... Who, who knows what kind of matches we, we, we could see. I mean, you even saw, if you were on WWE Network last night, seeing some of the post-Raw interviews, you saw Sasha Banks commenting. She could, she could You could see her go up against Trish Stratus or Lita. Hell, you, you could see a match that a lot of fans have clamored for on Twitter for a while, seeing the Iconics from SmackDown, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay go up against the Bella Twins because you got to figure those those uh, two beautiful young women are going to be coming back for this. you got to figure they're amped up for uh, this opportunity. Hell, you could see a situation where that night two of the MMA four horsewomen in Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey are heading into that event at, with WWE Women's Championships in their hand if Ronda wins the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam and Shayna makes it past Kyrie Sane at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. I, I could not be more happy for these women. You see how prominent a part of Monday Night Raw this has become. I mean, remember, last night there were three women's matches. About a decade ago, we would have been lucky if we got one woman's match on Monday Night Raw. And now there were three prominently uh, featured segments for the women last night. And now they're going to get this prominent spotlight, this prominent uh, moment in the, their careers. And 
as a fan, I, I could not be more happy. This is so long overdue. After years of times not seeing pay-per-view, seeing pay-per-views that didn't even have one women's match, now they're going to get their moment on October 28th when they have the spotlight for WWE Evolution. What else could you ask for? I mean, the, the only... The only evolution that I think is left in the women's division is if they ever created a women's tag team championship. And I think you have enough women on the roster to do that. You can make it a title that's not exclusive to one brand. Hell, you could have it be defended across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK. And it be uh, something that they can all take pride in and all take enjoyment of. But for now, we'll settle for this this moment. I mean, baby steps, people. Because the women, after years of being disrespected originally and being called divas, they've built up, earned the respect, earned the credibility of the fan base. The fans wanted more. We've gotten more over the last several years. And now they get the spotlight all to themselves, and it's very much deserved from not just the women of the past, but the women of the present who have built the foundation of what women's wrestling should be and is going to be in the future. What the hell is going on with the tag team division right now on Monday Night Raw? I mean, really, there, there is no sense of direction right now when you look at the Raw Tag Team division. First, let's take into account that last night we saw the Authors of Pain come out and they made a demand for a challenge, demand for someone to, to step up and fight them, but didn't want to fight Titus worldwide due to the fact that We've seen that match the last two weeks, and uh, it was uh, something uh, that has become stale at this point if we would have saw them face for a third week in a row. Only, what a surprise, O'Neal and uh, Cruz came out and confronted them and uh, talked about how the authors of pain have no respect for anybody, uh, talked up... uh, Titus, uh, as far as uh, the person he is inside and outside the ring, all the charity work he does, good person he is, that, that's all fine and dandy. And then it, it led to a physical altercation between the two sides in which uh, Titus Worldwide actually gained the upper hand here and uh, were the ones left standing in the ring with the authors of pain walking away. Why are why now are they trying to make this a rivalry? You've already had two weeks in a row where the authors of pain defeated O'Neill and Cruz in relatively quick order, and now you're trying to make a rivalry out of this. It makes no sense. the The only thing that would truly make sense here is if okay, you have another match between these two sides, possibly on the SummerSlam kickoff show, which even that might be giving this uh, rivalry too much credit. 
and Dana Brooke turns her back on um, Titus Worldwide and becomes the manager of uh, the Authors of Pain because ever since uh, they kicked Paul Ellering to the curb, they have really had no sense of direction. They've just been coming out each and every week, beating up either jobbers or weak teams like Titus Worldwide or Slater and Rhino, and you're wondering, all right, what is, what is this leading to? What, what Where is this going? Because they, they have no legitimate threats as a tag team. And it's shown what a mess the Raw tag team division is right now. Especially when you look at what we have going on with the tag team championship scenario. L- last night, Hardy and Wyatt got the rematch against the B team for the tag team titles. And once again, as what's become a regularity between these two sides at this point, they had a relatively quick matchup. It, the match went all of about oh, four or five minutes uh, before uh, there was once again one of these accidental bumps between uh, Hardy and Wyatt that led to uh, Curtis Axel pinning Matt Hardy without him actually uh, realizing uh, that he had uh, a crucifix pin uh, locked in. I mean, uh, Matt Hardy had just hit Axel with the twist of fate. Dallas then pushes Bray Wyatt into him to set up the pin, and, um, and you have Axel and Dallas still undefeated now as a tag team, and you're looking at it like, what? Well, is, this can't be real. That... These two guys are not just still undefeated as a team, but they're tag team champions. I mean, what is this undefeated streak going to go on until they're defeated for the tag team championship? Then after the match, I couldn't quite understand what they were trying to pull here because they did the whole thing where Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt look at them and say, wonderful, and gave applause for their victory before hitting each one of them with their uh, own signature moves, respectively. And are, they, are they trying to turn Hardy and Wyatt into heels? I don't think that's going to work out because you still have all the fans every week when they come out chanting, delete, 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 pulling out their cell phones and flashing the, the lights on top of them and uh, um, showing uh, that they, how much uh, followers of the Deleters of Worlds they are. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't make sense the direction that the SmackDown tag team division is going, or the Raw tag team division, excuse me, is going here. At least SmackDown is a, a, was uh, just saying, at least they have a direction. At least they know where they're going with their tag team division. With the announcement made over the weekend by General Manager Page that we're going to have a tournament uh, between the bar, the New Day, the, the Usos, and Sanity to determine who's facing the Bludgeon Brothers at uh, SummerSlam. At least you've had the Bludgeon Brothers go through a bunch of relevant tag teams and do it with relative ease. Well, it was taking out the Usos, taking that down uh, um, of the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, uh, going uh, through the New Day, uh, then taking out Team Hell No at Extreme Rules. Now they'll get a new challenger uh, at SummerSlam, and I'll, I'll talk more uh, tomorrow on the SmackDown recap on 
what team I hope it is that gets that spotlight. But but still, that even for the the relative uh, short time that SmackDown is compared to Monday Night Raw, they have a sense of direction in their tag team division. I don't know what the hell's going on with the Raw tag team division. You've got a whole bunch of tag teams that feel like they're just thrown together. Uh, you get this B team thing, which somehow, some way, they're trying to make us forget about the previous three years of these two guys being jokes by having them be undefeated as a team. And meanwhile, the only team that you look at and you say, all right, they're a legitimately strong team is the ALP and they're wasting their time on Titus Worldwide. I just don't get it. They, they, they've got to get some better teams here on uh, Monday Night Raw and do it in relatively quick order. That that's one of you know when you look back at the superstar shakeup. Now I've brought up superstars who have struggled, but one of the things that has been affected the most is the Raw tag team division. Because let's face it, there really is no tag division right now. When you look at you got AOP, the Revival, yes, two legitimate uh, heel tag teams, but who's your strong? face tag team to to go up against them. You really don't have one right now, and it's kind of a sad state of affairs, if you ask me. Throughout the night, they continue to make reference toward evolution on October 28th, especially during each one of the three uh, women's matches. Now, one of the strange things from last night is the seemingly resolute friendship between Sasha Banks and Bailey, especially of, over how tense things have become between the two of them in the, the last six months. We figured, I figured all along that this was eventually going to lead to a one-on-one -on -one match between the two of them on pay-per-view. And who knows, hopefully it will still lead to that. But last night, they... Flashback to last week's Raw, in which uh, Sasha and Bailey had that heart-to-heart -heart moment uh, backstage in the locker room before the two of them uh, were interviewed together and talking about their friendship, leading to them facing two local competitors last night and defeating them in relatively quick order. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking out there. It's like, oh, what a bummer. Well, it feels like a waste of a rivalry. They, they kept kicking each other's ass each week, whether it be the vicious assault by Bailey about a month and a half ago, or Sasha and how she uh, had eliminated Bailey from several matches over the last six months that have really set uh, a bad tone with uh, Bailey. Sasha even walking out on Bailey in some of their tag team matches before what happened between them last week when she saved her from Dana Brooke and Alicia Fox. Well, there's not going to be a true payoff in this rivalry. Uh, I tend to disagree with that because a lot of people out there, including myself, believe that there's eventually going to be a WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. And some are starting to think that, oh, because of them getting along now, maybe this uh, builds them toward being uh, uh, the first uh, 
WWE Women's Champions. Maybe if if they announce that that title is going to be created at Evolution um, in October, maybe they're the first champions. I'm not buying it. I still believe that there's going to come a point one of these two is going to turn on each other. I I still believe that they're setting us up for the kill. I I thought last night there was a good chance after they won that match, when they were hugging in the ring, that one of them was going to turn on the other, whether it be Bailey hitting Sasha with a, a belly to belly or Sasha turning uh, Bailey around and hitting her with uh, the bank statement. I still believe that we're going to get a true payoff in this one, um, a payoff that will lead to a main event caliber match be- between these two at Evolution. I, I, they talk about all the matches that could be put together and how women's wrestling has changed the game. Yes, Paige started the whole give divas a chance thing. But what I've believed all along in this women's revolution in WWE that started to change the game was their their back-to-back classics at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. And then two months later, when they faced off in the first ever women's Iron Man match at NXT uh, TakeOver Respect. When, when they had those two back-to-back classics. Hell, you even saw the the reaction from the entire NXT roster coming out to the rampway after the Iron Man match, giving them a standing ovation. The, the reaction from the crowd in Brooklyn when Charlotte and Becky Lynch came out to the ring. The other the other half of WWE's four horsewomen and the four of them stood in the ring together holding up uh, the four finger salute, the four finger sign. Um, I believe that you could have that kind of magic once again between these two if they're given the proper time, the proper spotlight and what better time to have it at Evolution. Or hey, maybe even have it sooner than that. Have it at SummerSlam. That that that's a SummerSlam quality matchup. Now, I, I said this last week. I don't want them repairing their friendship just like that. I want one of them turning on each other, on the other, and having a a, a match between the two. I mean, they brought up how the, there's going to be fifty women involved in Evolution in October, <laughs> and Corey Graves brought, had a great line uh, as he typically does. He's the best. Uh, commentator in the, the business today. His line last night was, uh, 50 women at Evolution. That that means 49 uh, chances for uh, Sasha Banks to stab someone in the back. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he couldn't be more correct in uh, saying that line. So, and while they're going to try and fool us with this whole friendship repaired thing, I'm not buying it. Some point, these two are going to face, they're going to face on a, a, a bigger stage than uh, just a, one in your weekly Monday Night Raws. And things are going to break down between the two of them to what will set up for a really great pay-per-view matchup. Either at SummerSlam or, in all likelihood, Evolution. We saw a different side of Braun Strowman last night. Um, 
first being very congratulatory toward uh, all of the women on the WWE roster for getting their first ever all-women's pay-per-view evolution, as we've mentioned uh, several times throughout this podcast. Then uh, also uh, bringing up the reason why he hasn't gotten involved in the universal title scene um, between uh, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. And that's because, as we all know, he has the money in the bank briefcase, reminding everyone it doesn't matter what after SummerSlim, whether it's Lesnar, Lashley, or Reigns, that he's still ultimately going to be the universal champion before surprisingly being interrupted by Kevin Owens. And this is this is one of those spots where it's you're saying to yourself, why can't you just quit while you're ahead? Yes, Kevin, you got your ass kicked at, at Extreme Rules. You got thrown off the top of a steel cage through the announce table via choke slam. But you won the match. Move on. Do something else. Instead, he's got to come out complaining uh, towards Strowman, um, all bandaged up, talking about how his kids got to watch him walk around the house sore, claiming that Strowman almost ended his career. Well, I mean, Kevin, you kind of had it coming. For for over a month, you've been taunting the guy. You've been running, then running away from him. And, I mean, what did you expect going up against the guy in a steel cage match? Especially when he's handcuffed to the ropes and you're taunting him on the way out by telling him to suck it and give blowing him a kiss and at some point you're just going way too far in uh, your pursuit to taunt the monster amongst men and why would you ever want to taunt someone like that and it leads to him saying that you know there's going to be a payback coming his way that he he's going to get uh his his revenge he's not done with uh Braun Snowman before he he welcomes out uh, Constable Baron Corbin, who uh, made it clear to Braun Strowman that he has uh, anger issues, and that's why he brought out Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal, who's been doing this whole, uh, I guess, kind of therapeutic stuff uh, the last several weeks where he's been breathing in and out, telling uh, superstars to chant along with him, Shanti. Shanti, as as almost like a meditation and a way to clear your mind. And Braun Strowman had some fun with it. He he uh, referred to Sunil Singh as the little man, told him to come over to him. And he started his own breathing exercise of get these hands before he inevitably beat the crap out of both Sunil Singh and Jinder Mahal. Uh, leading to a failure in uh, Kevin Owens and Baron Corbin's attempts to try and have some kind of anger management with Braun Strowman. And how are you going to have anger management with Braun Strowman? Braun, Braun Strowman is at his best uh, being this aggressive, uh, uncaged uh, monster. So it's where you had Kevin, as usual, go whining and complaining to uh, management just before Stephanie McMahon left, him and Baron Corbin confronted her in the parking lot. 
and he got uh, what he wanted. When he said that he's going to take everything from uh, Strowman, he's going to have that opportunity. Because at SummerSlam now, he's going to go one-on-one with uh, Braun Strowman. And if he's to win that match, whether it be pinfall, submission, disqualification, or countout, he will now uh, be the owner of the Money in the Bank briefcase. He will have the opportunity to cash in for a shot at the Universal title at any time. But I can't see them taking the, the Money in the Bank briefcase off of Braun Strowman. I laid out my scenario to you guys last week of how I'd like to see the briefcase uh, situation play out. Lesnar retain against his challenger at SummerSlam, and the following night, the Raw after SummerSlam, Braun Strowman cash in the, the champ for a shot at the championship, beat Lesnar, Lesnar leave for UFC, and Braun's now uh, the universal champion and known as the guy that chased Lesnar from WWE. Oh, I can even see the headlines now on WWE.com or the WWE Network. Monster of the Universe. Because you, you look at when Braun Strowman comes out on Raw each week, maybe Seth Rollins is the only one that gets a better reaction than Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman is arguably the most popular superstar on Monday Night Raw. Fans have been clamoring for a long time for him to get the Universal title. Hell, people have been clamoring for a long time for the Universal title to just be back on a, a, a active roster member, someone who's on the show every week, not a part-timer like Lesnar. And he's the perfect guy to defeat uh, Brock Lesnar. He's the, the guy where you look at and you say, okay, it's believable that he beat Brock Lesnar in a one-on-one fight. But as we're going to come to see later in the night, Brock Lesnar would find out who he's going to be going up against at at SummerSlam before he even has to worry about the threat of the monster amongst men. If you listen to these recaps for Raw or SmackDown enough, you would know that one thing that I continue to bring up here is how I can't stand repetitive matches. And what I mean by repetitive matches is when we see the same match each and every week and it has no point to it. Such as, you know, the last couple weeks we had seen the Authors of Pain go up against Titus Worldwide. Both times uh, the Authors of Pain run over flat in Titus Worldwide and now this week they act like they're going to turn all of a sudden turn it into a rivalry with Titus Worldwide getting the upper hand on ALP. When we saw that again uh, in two scenarios last night, one with Mojo Rawley going up against uh, Tyler Breeze for the second week in a row. During it, you saw some backstage comments from Bobby Roode after the confrontation that um, Mojo had with Roode following Roode's uh, loss to Dolph Ziggler uh, last week. And I get that they're trying to build up possibly a uh, Mojo versus Roode rivalry here and that they've been trying to build up Mojo as a heel that actually matters with this more uh, serious approach to things, how he's been having these quick uh, kind of uh, beatdown uh, matches. But 
I feel like this is falling flat. I feel like this is not hitting the point because the fans really aren't caring too much about Mojo's uh, uh, new personality um, over the last several months, how he's, they're trying to pick up momentum uh, uh, for him, but the, the fans just aren't buying it. He, he hasn't gotten much of any of a reaction positively or negatively um, when he comes out to the ring. And it, it's the fans almost act like when Mojo comes out these last several weeks, and I'm sorry to say this, but it feels true, like it's the bathroom break time of uh, Monday Night Raw. You, you see people on their cell phones, people not quite paying attention to the match. Meanwhile, Mojo's having these like two-and-a-half-minute, three-minute beatdowns over um, other mid-card wrestlers as they're trying to ascend him uh, to... Uh, a, a prominent mid-card spot on the roster and potentially build toward a feud with uh, uh, Bobby Roode, which seems like it's taken a little bit here to get to with uh, the back-and-forth taunting here uh, between the two. But I just, I just don't like the, the idea of a beatdown match like this two weeks in a row. Have him face some other... Um, mid card. We already saw he can beat Tyler Breeze. Fine, move on to someone else that's not Tyler Breeze or No Way Jose um, to keep trying to build up the uh, legitimacy of um, Mojo Rawley. The other one that it confuses me that I, I don't understand why we're seeing this again. For the fourth straight week, Ember Moon is going up against a member of the Riot Squad. In fact, for the third time in four weeks, she went up against Liv Morgan. Remember, she had the back-to-back -back victories over Liv Morgan. Then last week, a uh, loss to uh, Sarah Logan before looking for payback this week. Only this time, she's going up against Liv Morgan once again. How is that, how is that looking uh, for a payback? And... Uh, um, you knew what the result of the match was going to be once you heard in the beginning that Sarah Logan was uh, banned from ringside. I mean, Moon made relatively quick work of Liv Morgan uh, with uh, the Eclipse and once again uh, got the victory. Feels like she's you know, spinning her wheels at this point. It's, it's by continuously going up against uh, Morgan and Logan of the Riot Squad. What's the point of this? What What is... Uh, um, what are you trying to build uh, Ember Moon towards? She's got all the athletic ability in the world. She's an underutilized member of the the women's uh, roster. Yet you can, and you're going to continue having her go up against the Riot Squad. It it just does not make sense. And now I feel like these spots. I don't want to. I hate calling them wasted spots because I know they're trying to build up. Ember Moon slowly here. They're trying to build up Mojo Raleigh here as a relevant heel on Monday Night Raw. But to have them face the same opponent each week, have these repetitive matches, it, it does not make sense. And it's time that can be used for other things, other matches. Having them face a, a different opponent. I mean, like last night... Um, Ember Moon should have been going up against Mickey James, not Natalia. I understand that they wanted to have Natalia there going up against Mickey to continue playing off how 
all of Natalia's Ronda Rousey's close friend and Ronda's suspension ends next week. So she'll be coming back to get revenge on uh, Alexa Bliss to build toward their SummerSlam uh, matchup there. Uh, but that that would have been a better uh, um, match for Moon to have. You, you're having her move on from going up against the same opponents each week. She's going to be facing a, a six-time women's champion who in all likelihood is going to be going to the WWE Hall of Fame uh, at some point in Mickie James. That would be a, a good match for her there. Boy, speaking of Mickie James... Was last night like the first singles match she's won in, I don't know, over a year? Because remember, the audio guys almost forgot to play her music after she won the match. It felt like uh, four or five seconds went by after the bell went off that they uh, began playing Mickey's uh, music. Uh, In any uh, way, I'm starting to get off in a tangent here. My, My point remains the same. If you're going to build up uh, Moon, build up uh, Mojo Rawley, have them face different opponents each week. Not the same old stuff, the same old repetitive stuff, because that just comes across as time-wasting, trying to fill up space, and it's space that you could be using for better matches and newer rivalries. After... Both men were unsuccessful in their attempts to qualify for a shot at the Universal Championship last week. It was announced over the weekend that we would be having a grudge match on Raw between Finn Balor and Drew McIntyre. Now, as an aside here, it looks like the issues between Finn Balor and Constable Baron Corbin have uh, not uh, ended after Extreme Rules because you you saw last week Baron Corbin complaining about Finn Balor getting an opportunity to qualify for a universal title shot and not himself. And then last night when uh, Finn Balor was backstage, someone showed him that a little kid's... uh, Playhouse with a uh, Balor Club t-shirt was set up by uh, uh, Baron Corbin just for Finn to continue to play up uh, Baron Corbin trying to demean or or uh, belittle uh, Balor due to the fact that he's shorter than him. Um, a rivalry at this point that I, I really can't understand why it's uh, still going on here maybe to continue playing up uh, the the whole idea of Baron Corbin uh, abusing his power as the constable of Monday Night Raw, but something that I think will continue to go on for a couple of, at least a couple of more weeks here. But Balor went one-on-one with uh, McIntyre, and in the grand scheme of things, the match kind of felt like a waste of time. Because uh, at first, Balor uh, was unable to keep uh, McIntyre down with how you know aggressive the and uh, overpowering that uh, Drew McIntyre can be. I mean, you look at Drew McIntyre; he's only six foot four. Doesn't it feel like he's like bigger than that? Six seven, six eight. He he just he towers over people. I don't know it's because of his just. Um, 
massive size to him, how much he's grown since his early days as the chosen one in uh, WWE. But he, he just towers over a lot of competitors in uh, WWE. Eventually, Finn was able to get him down and look like he was going to set up for uh, the coup de grace uh, before Dolph Ziggler got involved to force the disqualification. And uh, that led to Seth Rollins coming out to make uh, the save, looking for payback on both Dolph Ziggler and especially Drew McIntyre for McIntyre costing him his uh, shot at uh, the Intercontinental Championship at Extreme Rules, something he has not forgotten about. And when it looked like McIntyre and Ziggler were just going to walk off and leave, Kurt Angle came out and in a very Teddy Long-like fashion made a tag team matchup between the two sides. A tag match that Seth Rollins seemed to dominate, uh, had the uh, McIntyre and uh, Ziggler on their heels uh, for uh, most of uh, the match, uh, was able to take out the show off and... Uh, exact a little bit of revenge on uh, on Drew McIntyre in uh, the process before, uh, uh, no, at one point when it looked like they were going to hit him with some kind of weird double team move off the top rope, he he was able to counter that, able to uh, get McIntyre out of the, the matchup and hit Dolph Ziggler with the stomp for the victory. And to my surprise now, He's going to get one more chance at the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam. And I'm kind of surprised about this. I thought the uh, the loss at Extreme Rules kind of put an end to Seth Rollins' feud with Dolph Ziggler. And now you would have Ziggler move on for, to different opponents. Seth move on to a feud with McIntyre over costing him the title. But looks like he's going to get one more shot. And if they're going to have this match on a pay-per-view for a second month at a after having an Iron Man match last month, they've got to give this kind of this match some sort of stipulation, and I'm not sure if they can go to the idea of going with a ladder match just based off the fact that we just had Money in the Bank about six weeks ago. Is that too soon to have a ladder match? I know the SummerSlam is historic for having its ladder matches for uh, the championships, especially uh, the Intercontinental title. You think back to 95 with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, 1998, uh, the great match between Triple H and The Rock. But... Would it be too soon to have another ladder match in uh, WWE? Because you got to have this match have some kind of stipulation, some kind of resolution to this rivalry so both guys can move on to other things in uh, their career. I'm, I'm, I really am surprised that they, they decided to go this route. I thought you know, that they'd go the route of Finn Balor getting an Intercontinental Championship match. And who knows, maybe they still do. Maybe they get him involved and... Um, forget the whole wasted time rivalry of him and Baron Corbin and have some kind of triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam like they did at WrestleMania with the, with the Rollins and Balor uh, both going up against to The Miz. It's just very surprising to me that they're going the route of Ziggler versus Rollins again. And it did feel like a uh, waste of time 
to have that singles match between McIntyre and Balor if they're the resolution they were going to get to anyway was having a tag team matchup. Now, Seth's going to get his chance at revenge against McIntyre next week when they go one-on-one. And I hope they once again put a stipulation in this match as well. If Seth is able to overcome McIntyre, ban him from ringside at SummerSlam because I want to see what happens Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, no interference in a pay-per-view match between the two of them. Let's let's see them put together a match that could potentially steal the show rather than what turned out to be a uh, low moment or a disappointing moment for me at Extreme Rules in their Iron Man match that really did not live up to the build and was hijacked by the fans the entire time. One thing I've yet to address on this podcast so far, and it was something that was actually a significant part of Raw last night because we saw him on more than one occasion, was Elias. Now, as you all know, he came out with a album, CD, whatever we're calling it these days, on iTunes and app and all your other music providers like Apple Play, I guess, over the last couple of days. It's called Walk With Elias. I haven't yet checked it out, but I probably will at some point just to, to see how ridiculous it is. And to celebrate that, he kept trying to perform all night one of his... Uh, uh, songs from uh, the uh, CD, but kept getting interrupted each time, whether it be by uh, Braun Strowman, the Authors of Pain, uh, the, you, you talk about Finn Balor interrupting him, got interrupted uh, by uh, um, Kurt Angle later in the show just to let him know that he was going to give him his time and his spotlight before he was interrupted by Bobby Lashley prior to the main event. It, it was one of the funnier parts of the show all night and just left Elias frustrated and pissed off each and every single time. And uh, you got uh, funny reactions from the commentators. Will it be Corey Graves saying, thank God. Uh, Michael Cole complaining, uh, saying that these were great performances uh, being wasted. And now I figured at some point you're going to have Elias come down to the ring and interfere in someone's match to because he was uh, so pissed off that he wasn't getting his uh, time and his spotlight kept getting stolen, but that never happened. So I said the last time he got interrupted was by Bobby Lashley, who came out for the main event, a main event that not a lot of us were looking forward to, a match that we kind of saw coming last week when they set up the two triple threat matches to determine who would face off this week at an opportunity to face the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar in four weeks at SummerSlam, the match no one wanted to see again, Bobby Lashley against Roman Reigns. And now that this uh, match uh, 
It was a little more aggressive in the beginning. Both guys uh, not wasting time actually uh, came out uh, uh, ready to square up and fight from uh, the uh, beginning. You, you saw some surprising offense from Bobby Lashley throughout the match, including uh, using uh, some different uh, submission holds. Each guy even uh, got... Uh, this was able to hit the other with uh, their finishing spear uh, for near falls uh, throughout the match. There was even there was one point in the match where I thought Roman Reigns might have gotten uh, seriously hurt when they're fighting outside the ring. Um, Bobby Lashley uh, hits uh, a belly to belly suplex on uh, Roman uh, Reigns on the floor. And then picks him up and tosses him between the ropes back into the ring. And Roman seemed to come down on uh, the right side of his neck. Thought he might have been uh, hurt there. And that was right before the point where Bobby Lashley had his spear looking for the victory. And what an awful job by the referee. Running completely around them in a circle to get the go for the pinfall and get the near fall with the Roman barely getting his uh, shoulder up. And from there, you knew what was going to happen. You, you knew what was going to happen here. As, as soon as this match was signed last week, I think we all said to ourselves, there's no way that Roman Reigns either loses this match or the match at worst for him is a draw setting up a possible triple threat match. Well, instead, it took him three Superman punches before finally hitting the spear on Bobby Lashley and he got the victory getting the title shot at SummerSlam the two hand, the two men shook hands after the match you even saw disappointment from Bobby Lashley as he's going up the rampway smacking his hand up against the ramp tw uh, twice realizing he missed out on an opportunity uh, to go up against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam a match I really would have liked to have seen but now, unfortunately, it's happening again. For the third time this year, we're getting the main event no one wanted to see again. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. I was okay with this happening at, Summer, at WrestleMania, excuse me. Because I figured, alright, that was going to be finally Roman's crowning moment. That was going to be the time he beat Brock Lesnar. Three years in the making, finally get his revenge for what happened at WrestleMania 31. He would finally overcome Brock Lesnar. All the, all the times they'd had confrontations and uh, Brock Lesnar getting the upper hand in each one of those confrontations, it was going to be Roman's time. But after that happened, I'm like, no more. All right, Roman Reigns, he failed in his pursuit to be truly the top dog, truly be the top guy on Monday Night Raw and the WWE because it's no longer believable that he could beat Brock Lesnar. Three weeks later, you have him go up against Brock in a steel cage at Saudi Arabia just to try and set up the sympathy factor. You, you, you set up the whole angle where he spears Brock Lesnar through the steel cage and even though his feet um, touch the floor First, the referees, they have them make the mistake to declare uh, Brock Lesnar still the universal champion. Just to have Roman 
the last couple of months angered and outraged, claiming that he's the rightful universal champion. I mean, enough of this. Nobody wanted to see this match again. Nobody was clamoring for <coughs> Brock Roman 4. No one was clamoring to see this match main event a pay-per-view for the third time this year. Because now next week, Brock Lesnar's coming to Monday Night Raw. They're going to have a confrontation. And you know what's going to happen in all likelihood in that confrontation. It, it's going to break down from them talking uh, crap to each other. And when I say talking, I mainly mean Paul Heyman. And Paul's going to bring up, um, in all likelihood, wait a minute. This match is happening again? How many opportunities is Roman Reigns going to get before realize he has no chance against Brock Lesnar. It's going to go back and forth between uh, Heyman and Reigns until the point where we have a physical confrontation between Lesnar and Reigns in which Brock Lesnar will probably get the upper hand in F5 Roman Reigns. Continue to try and play off that into SummerSlam and build up the sympathy factor for Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar. We've been here before. We've seen this story so many times before. Enough. Nobody wanted to see this. I texted a, a good friend of mine right after Raw went off the air last night and and told them, quite frank, I hope Brock Lesnar kicks Roman Reigns' ass at SummerSlam because this is the main event that nobody wanted to see again. I, How many times do we have to see this before Vince McMahon or whatever member of the creative writing team came up with this gets it through their thick skull? No one wants Roman Reigns as universal champion. No one wants Roman Reigns... Um, against Brock Lesnar. No one views it as believable that Roman Reigns can beat Brock Lesnar. You, you haven't built up, you're trying to build up a sympathy factor for him, but it's not working for us. We don't find it believable. There's only two guys that I look at on the Monday Night Raw roster and say that if they got in a real legitimate fight against Brock Lesnar, I could buy it if you told me, oh, they beat Brock Lesnar in a one-on-one -on -one fight. That's Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. He should be going up against Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. Because now, by having Roman Lashley 2 once again so quickly after them facing at Extreme Rules, and having Roman beat Bobby Lashley, it took away all the significance, all of the momentum from Bobby Lashley, all the significance of that victory by beating the golden boy, beating the, the poster child, the face of the company in Roman Reigns. And now, where do you go with Bobby Lashley from here? It feels like you just wasted all that big momentum you had built up <coughs> for him, excuse me, by having him lose to Roman Reigns just eight nights later. And now you have nothing for Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. Meanwhile, Roman Reigns because he's uh, the golden child, is once again going up against Brock Lesnar. The match no one wanted to see again. Yeah, great job, Vince. Yeah, the, you're really going to get uh, people sticking around for SummerSlam to see that main event. Especially, remember Backlash? Remember people walking out uh, on the main event between Roman and Samoa Joe? 
You may have that situation come up once again here if you put Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns in the main event. You should have thought ahead on this one instead of just trying to force your square peg into the round hole. For this Tuesday, July 24th, 2018, I'm M3, and that was my opinion. I'll be back tomorrow with a recap of SmackDown Live tonight. Remember, you can uh, check me out anytime on Twitter at m 3 Rosansky. For now, everybody have a great day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.